So we are continuing in our series on worry, and worry is something that is universal. Everyone at some point in time worries. Some of you worry more than others of you, but all of us have worried at some point. And we know that this isn't something that is new to us because people have literally been worrying since the beginning of time, or at least they've been worrying since Jesus walked the earth. And we know this, we know that they've been worrying since Jesus walked the earth because when Jesus had like a few minutes with his disciples to chill and just to chat with them and talk to them, one of the things that he chooses to do is to teach them about worry and to talk to them about worry. And I actually think the reason that Jesus places such a high emphasis on worry is not only because he knows it's bad for our health and not a, and not a good way to live, but I think one of the reasons Jesus cares so much about worry is because he's constantly forcing us to look outward. He's saying, do you notice the people who are living around you? Do you notice the people who I've sent into your path? And when we worry, when we worry, we become fixated on our own problems. What happens when we worry is we become hyper-focused on a situation or a challenge or a relationship, and when that happens, then we lose sight of everyone else around us. And so lucky for us, Jesus actually has some incredible advice on worry. Um, and I want to define worry this way before we move forward. Worry is essentially a preoccupation with tomorrow. Worry is a preoccupation with tomorrow. Or put another way, it's a fixation with tomorrow. That's what worry is. It's saying, you know what, I'm actually okay right this moment, but I'm afraid I won't be tomorrow. I'm af- everything's okay now, but, but what if, but what if, but what if, but what if. And so um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to say, the other uh, caveat is that last week I said that worry and um, anxiety are an epidemic, which I believe um, but, but one thing I, I don't want to do is equate worry um, or uh, general nerves or just thinking about things too much, equate that with something that's a physiological condition, anxiety. And um, because many, uh, and many people in our, our city, in our congregation, struggle with anxiety. And, and one of the things I'd want to say is, like, through all these things, for worry, for anxiety, like, you, you should be reading the best books out there on the science of how you are more calm and how you are less anxious. And some of you, you, you should see a great therapist and maybe go to a doctor and you might need to be prescribed something. Like, all those things are acceptable. But I also think that Jesus has a word to add to the conversation, no matter where we are. And so um, I want to keep looking at what Jesus has to say about worry in in Matthew chapter 6. We are slow walking through this passage. It's just 10 or 11 verses. We start with Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through verse 34. Um, Because the reason we're going through it so slowly is I think there's so much power in those few short verses. But to worry is to be fixated on the future. And not only are you fixated on the future, but when you worry, you hold the future tightly. It's almost like we think that by worrying, we can actually control the outcome. But the truth of the matter is, right, the future is always uncertain. We're just now a little more aware of exactly how uncertain our future is. That's the one like downside to getting older. The older you get, the more uncertain your future is. Now, it's always been this, as uncertain as it is at this moment or close to it, but you're more aware of it because when you were younger, somebody else was worrying about all the uncertainties. Now you have to worry about the uncertainties. I, I actually read a, uh, I, I read a great little um, comment by someone who wasn't even a Christian author. I don't even know if they're a person of faith, um, but they said that worry is like prayer in reverse. 
He said, when people pray, your problems tend to get smaller, right? Because you're offering that problem off to God. Um, but when you, when you worry, you expand. You take something that's often not even that big a deal, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and what happens when we worry is we get hyper-focused on something, and we are totally distracted by whatever that thing is, often something we can't do anything about, and then we fixate on that to the exclusion of those who Jesus has put directly in front of us. Of course, Jesus knew all this, and that's why he told us that there is a better and a more perfect way to live. So just quickly to recap, last week as we looked at the first part of Matthew um, or this, this passage in Matthew 6, um, the first thing that Jesus really calls us to do is to evaluate our worry. It's like, is there, is, is, does worrying really do any good? So evaluate your worry. But I think that Jesus not only tells us to evaluate our worry, and this is reading a bit into the passage, but I think, I think it is the undertone of Jesus' message, that, that telling us not to worry is not telling us not to care. We actually should care and do something about the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, these passages can be misconstrued, you know, because basically Jesus, he has an ADD moment, remember where you're tr- the crowd, his disciples are trying to talk to him about worry, and while they're trying to t- he's, he's trying to talk to him about worry, they keep looking up like, oh look, or Jesus looks up, it's like, oh look, there's a bird, oh did you notice the flowers? And, 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 and Jesus is saying, look, the, the birds of the air and the flowers, they don't toil or spin or labor or do anything, and yet somehow they are cared for. Now I don't think that Jesus is saying that we should all be like the birds of the air and the flowers, like that we shouldn't do anything, that we should not toil or work. I think Jesus actually expects us to do something about our situation. In fact, we're going to see later that he really tries to keep us focused in the moment. Like, what can you do now? Instead of worrying about what could happen in the future, what can you do now to handle the challenge or the situation that you're facing? And then next week, next week we're actually going to look at a story from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scripture, which I think um, really ties together a lot of what Jesus is talking about. Uh, one other thing, just a side note, I would encourage you, if you, because these sermons kind of build on each other, uh, you can go, if you missed last week, you can go to the podcast um, on iTunes uh, or Google Play, or you can go to the website, thetablechurch.org forward slash teaching, and you can catch up there. Um, but just to step back slightly, um, oh, the one thing, so care, one other thing I want to talk about last week, because I think this is really key and will set up where we want to go today, um, is the other thing Jesus really calls us to do is question our devotion. Um, because what we discovered is that what we worry about is what we are devoted to. We worry about what we're devoted to. Um, and, and so I, I think Jesus really calls us to, to not simply just take our situation lying down, but at the same time to say, why is it that that bothers you so much? Like, why, is that maybe the primary devotion in your life. Okay, let's, I want to go back a couple verses before we move forward. So in verse 27, Jesus says this, Matthew 6, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Just, it's just taking time off, right? You can't add an hour to your life by worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Even the birds and the flowers, they, they are, not only are they taken care of, I, I love this, not only are they taken care of, but they are lavishly taken care of. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. I think ultimately what Jesus is wanting to get at, and we're, we're going to see this in a moment, what Jesus wants to get at is this question, 
of can, is can God be trusted? Do you trust God with your future? Do you trust God with your tomorrows? Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus is saying, look, he looks at the people he's talking to and he says, I got a question for you. Like, do, 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 you, believe, do you believe in God? No, of course, Jesus, we believe in God. Do, do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth and, and, and is the ground of all being and holds everything together and keeps things moving forward and is the one who created you and designed all things? And they're like, of, of course, of course, Jesus, of course we believe that. If you believe all that, why isn't that you can't, why is it that you can't trust him with your tomorrow? If you can, if you believe that he is the one who put all of this into motion, why can't you trust him? with your tomorrow. And then Jesus does the thing that bothers me more than anything else in this passage. He says, oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. Now, this is actually hilarious. Um, We miss it because we are not reading it in the original Greek, and I'm taking a little liberty with this, but I actually think it's what's going on. Um, Jesus creates his own word. There is no, the, the word that we translate little faith exists nowhere else in the Greek language. Jesus makes the word up. Um, he takes two words, puts them together, and I actually think he's poking fun at the crowd, poking fun at the people he's talking to, and he calls them little faithers. He's like, hey, you little faithers. He's like, just, there's a twinkle in his eye. Actually, just as, just as an aside, when we read scripture, I think particularly the words and the teachings of Jesus, we sometimes need to read them with a, a slightly a comedic lens. There's some hilarious stuff in Scripture. And I actually think it was meant to be funny. Jesus is not always uptight. He was a fun guy to be around. He got invited to parties because Jesus was fun, not because he, like, lectured people all the time. He was kind of a funny guy. And so I think when he says little faithers, he's like, he's poking at them. He's saying it with a smile on his face because this is like a word he makes up and it's kind of a funny word. Oh, you little faithers. Do you not believe? I created all this. My father created all this. you not believe that he can handle your tomorrows? Jesus is asking them this question. Can you trust God with your tomorrow? Because there's a, there, is a, there is a correlation between your worry and your faith. People with huge faith, they just don't worry in the same way. They don't worry the way the rest of us do. And some of us, some of us have had the privilege of being around people who just don't worry that much. You, you, like you have a relative, uh, maybe it's your grandma, and she just doesn't worry. In fact, I was thinking, uh, this, this isn't in my notes, but I was thinking about this this morning. Um, it, there is a friend of mine that I, that, that I know that is like a retirement age, and, and, and she worries about nothing. And she so worries, she worries so little about her future that I worry for this person, right? And because they, they have no money saved. They have, she has absolutely no money saved and gives everything she has away to whoever needs anything, literally. The other day, well, I mean, it's probably been a year ago now, and I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, this family was in need and so they needed $900, so I wrote them $900 check. And I was like, do you have $900 in your checking account? I have $902.50, and so now I have $2.50. And I just want to scream, like, that's ridiculous. But the funny thing is, and then she looked at me, um, 
And she looked at me uh, in one of our conversations, and she's like, you're the pastor. You're the one who should believe in faith. I followed Jesus for 30 years. I've always lived this way, and God has always taken care of me. Now, I, I have some problems with her theology, but, 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 but she literally takes Jesus at his word, which is ridiculous. Why would anyone trust Jesus? But, so she takes Jesus at his word and believes that God will hold her future, her tomorrows are in his hands. And the crazy thing is, she always has enough food. She always has a roof over her head, and she is always cared for. And Jesus looks at us, and he's like, oh, you little faithers. Follow your safety nets. And then Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Right, this, these things that he is talking about, like for us, we're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I'm really not that worried about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to wear. I have a closet full of stuff. I mean, sometimes when you're standing there, you think you have nothing to wear, but in reality, you have way more than you need. And this isn't like, we're like, yeah, Jesus, we're there with you. But the people he is talking to, their biggest concern is, will I have anything to wear tomorrow? And, and, and will I have food? Right? Because I don't know if I will have food tomorrow. Like, this is the base need. This is the thing that they wake up every morning thinking about. And Jesus says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? If Jesus was talking today, he'd say, you know, don't worry about how's my job going or am I going to have enough money to buy a house someday or how am I going to be able to afford grad school or get a date or be able to afford grad school or all the other things that we worry about. Jesus is like, stop worrying. Stop thinking about the future and how you can control the future because you never have any, had any control of the future anyway. So do what you can today and leave the future for God to care for. And then he says this, verse 32. For the pagans, which is a great word, for the pagans, which essentially just means like people who play Dungeons and Dragons. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, for the pagans, uh, the, actually one of the guys who helped us found our church as part of the Christian Dungeons and Dragons group. They were an interesting bunch. I'm not making fun of you all. You're just interesting. Um, for the pagans, okay, a little, making fun, just a little. Um, for the pagans, for the pagans, which essentially means people who don't yet follow Jesus, right? That's all, that's all it means. Like, people have not yet followed Jesus. For the pagans run after all of these things. And I think this is really interesting. What Jesus is trying to say is, you are not special. The concerns and the challenges and the problems that you worry about on a day-to-day -day basis are not unique. Everyone worries about these things. Everyone seeks after these things. That's like the baseline of, of, of being human, is you are worried about the future. You are worried about what you are going to eat or drink or whatever the thing might be. The, the, the difference is in how you respond to that situation. That's what Jesus is trying to drive at. Right? Everyone seeks after these things. The difference is how do you respond to that uncertainty. It's not whether you go through a trial, it's how do you respond to the trial. Verse 32, let me just go back. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God already knows. God already knows the things that you need, the, the, the desires and the concerns of your heart. God already knows. And, and the thing that I've really been wrestling with, the question I've been wrestling with um, as, I, I, as, I, as I go through the series is this question I want to ask you is how would your life be different? 
How would your worry be different? How would your stress levels be different if you really believed that God knew about your situation and that God cared? That God knew about your situation and that God cared. And if I were to be honest with you, when I stand up here, I try to preach the text as faithfully as I possibly can and try to make it less about what I think and more about what Jesus thinks. Um, But this is something I struggle with. I struggle to to believe that God knows and cares about my future, about the situation I'm going in. I'm thinking, oh, you have so many other things to worry about. Do you really know and care? And how would you live your life differently if you believe that God knew about your situation and that God cared? Because I think ultimately what Jesus is concerned about, what Jesus is concerned about is two two things. I think he's concerned that worry causes us to shift away from other people and to focus on ourselves. But the other thing I think Jesus is concerned about is our witness. Because one of the things that we see throughout the gospel is Jesus He does theology not only through the words that he speaks, but he does theology. Most of his theology is done through the actions he performs. Jesus puts the gospel on display through the things that he does on the day in and day out basis. If you read the text simply looking for words, simply trying to extract a verse that you can develop a life theology around, you are missing out on most of what is happening in the text. The way that Jesus lives his life is also theology the actions that he takes. And so Jesus is concerned with the way that we live our life because he believes the way we live is a witness to those who are watching in the world. And he's like, look, for even the pagans seek after all these things. You are not special. Everyone is seeking after these same things. The person who is sitting beside you in the cubicle at work, the person who sits next to you in class, the person you run into at the dog park or wherever it might be, they are facing the exact same thing. But the question is, how will you respond? And if you respond to a crisis or to your life falling apart or to a relationship crumbling or to your bank account being way too low or whatever the thing is, not getting into the school you wanted to get into, whatever your thing is you're facing, if you respond to that with peace and with calm and without a sense of panic and without a sense of worry, that person that is sitting next to you that, that has the similar situation, when they are going through a difficult time, they are going to come to you and say, how did you navigate this? Because I'm going through what you went through last year, and when you went through this last year, you seemed like you didn't have a care in the world. What is different? Because I am freaking out. And Jesus wants us to be able to say, you know what? I actually was freaking out too, and then I realized I can't do anything about controlling my future anyway, so I might as well just give it to God and trust Him with my tomorrows. That's powerful to be able to say, look, the way that I live my life, the way that I handle this uncertainty, the way that I handle this fear is by giving it to God. That's so powerful. Verse 33, he says this, so how then, how then do we deal with this? How then do we handle this? How then do we not worry? He says, but seek first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The way you stop worrying, Jesus says, is you redirect your devotion. The way you stop worrying is you redirect your devotion. Because right now, if you're honest with yourself, and this is like a problem for all of us, so there's no guilt. We can can honestly examine ourselves. But our primary devotion for most of us is not God's kingdom and God's agenda. It's our agenda and our kingdom. 
It's, are we going to get that job? Are we going to get that promotion? Are we going to, to be in that relationship? Are we going to, to have that, 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 that bonus or that raise or get into that grad school or whatever the thing is? Like we are hyper-focused on our life and on our situation, which is why when things begin to go wrong, when things begin to crumble all around us, we begin to freak out and begin to worry because our primary devotion is fixated on whatever that thing is that drives you in life. But Jesus is like, look, if you shift your devotion, if you shift your devotion, you also shift your worry. If you want to lower your worry, shift your devotion. What do you shift it to? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's, say, it, it is praying the words that Jesus taught us to pray um, when he taught his disciples how to pray, which is just one of the most powerful and fascinating things in all of scripture. I mean, most of you have heard this, this prayer at some point in your life, but it's something we kind of just say rote. Um, there, there are literally thousands of books written on prayer and thousands of pages and way too much ink have, has been spilled on how to pray. And then we have this passage in the Gospels where Jesus' disciples finally wise up and like, you know what? We actually have access to, to God incarnate. We should ask him how to pray. And, and, and Jesus says, oh, I'd love you to teach you how to pray. And it's the simplest thing in the world, right? It, which is now we call the Lord's Prayer. And, and in the Lord's Prayer, like, you can break it down, and there's so much wealth and so much power in those, those words that Jesus teaches us to pray. It's so short. Somehow, sometimes I think we think that, like, praying more eloquently or longer, we pray better. But that's not what Jesus does or what Jesus teaches us, which I think is interesting. But anyway, Jesus ends that prayer this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's agenda. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Instead, what we end up doing is we're always asking, what if, what if, what if, what if this happens? What if this happens? But what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And Jesus is like, no, 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 chill. Chill. What would it look like for you to seek my kingdom, my agenda for your life? Instead of being committed to our kingdom, what if we tried to say, what is God doing and how can we be a part of what God is doing. Because you don't stop worry by trying to stop worrying. We said this last week. Right? It just doesn't work because when you try to stop worrying, it's like trying to go to sleep when you, when you have insomnia and you're staring at the, at the ceiling. And the more you tell yourself, I gotta go to sleep, I gotta go to sleep, I gotta go to sleep, the more you do that, the, the crazier you become and you don't go to sleep. Worry's the same way. I gotta stop worrying about this. I gotta stop thinking about this. I'm fixating on this. I'm obsessing about this thing. I can't, I can't think about this anymore. And then it just becomes this, this cycle. You don't stop worrying by trying to stop worry. You stop worrying by exchanging your devotion, by becoming in, devoted to something entirely different to you and your kingdom, to you and your agenda, to you and your life plan. And Jesus says, look, I'm inviting you, I'm inviting you to live a new and a better way. I think sometimes we get so fixated on making the Gospels about something it was never meant to be. Jesus comes and he says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have life abundantly. I'm coming to say there is a better way to live than the hamster wheel that you find yourself caught on, than always seeking whatever the next best thing is around the next corner. Right? There's a better way to live. There's a better and more authentic way to be. You, have, you, have, you are buying into a lie, but I have come to set you free. I have come to, Jesus says, like, the truth will set you free. I have come to tell you the truth, and the truth is, 
is, is a, such a powerful and beautiful thing that it provides you a new and better way of living. It provides you a life-giving way of living. He's like, look, stop, you, 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 trade in your kingdom for my kingdom. Stop worrying about, surrender your, your, your concerns about your finances and your, your retirement and your relationships and all the things that you worry about on a daily basis and say, God, I want your agenda for my life. I want to seek first your kingdom. I want, to, I want to live in the way that you would have me to live. And then verse 33 continues. And all of these things, all these things will be given to you as well. God cares for your needs. He cares about the situation that you're going through. If you would just open your hands and say, God, I give this to you. Like, I give this to you. Now, when he says all these things will be given to you, it will not necessarily be all the things that you thought about and planned on and thought that you wanted and hoped for. Like, you need to know this anyway. Like, the chances of that happening are slim anyway. We all make life plans, or some of us make life plans, and life never works out the way you plan. But, but he's saying, look, if you seek first my kingdom and my agenda, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm not saying there won't be any difficulties. I'm not saying there won't be any trials. I'm not saying everything's going to work out exactly how you want everything to work out. But I want you to know I know about your situation. I know about what you're going through, and I care about you. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, whenever you read therefore, it's, he's wrapping up. Therefore. Do not worry about tomorrow. This is such a powerful verse. You should put this on your mirror at home. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. This, is, this line is my favorite. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? Today is stressful enough. Don't worry about tomorrow. Which is why I think Jesus is like, do what you can in the present to, to change and to fix your situation. Don't just say, you know, oh, the birds don't toil. So why should I? No, focus on the moment you're in. Focus on the moment you're in. Instead of worrying about tomorrow, give your tomorrow to Jesus. Give your tomorrow to God, but focus on the moment you're in. And so when your mind begins to allow worry to wrap itself around your brain, and just say, you know what? No, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to focus on what I can do in the present. I'm going to focus on today. I'm going to focus on the people that God has put in front of me. I'm going to focus on what is right in front of my face. I'm going to be present and I will let tomorrow worry about itself and just say, you know what? God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life and on earth and in heaven. And Jesus is saying, look, focus on today. Be responsible for today. And hand me your future. And I think if we could begin to come to grasp with that and begin to realize that you never had any control anyway, and life may not turn out the way that you hoped. But the gospel story is this, is that God is the God of redemption and restoration. The gospel story is that things die, dreams die. Your, you, the, things that, the, the vision for your life doesn't always come to pass and it dies. But we serve a God of resurrection. Dead things come back to life. New life is possible. Things that are more beautiful than we could have ever asked or imagined are impossible on the other side. But we are here gripping to our vision of our agenda, of our idea of what is a good and perfect future. And that as we hold it so tight, we are making ourselves miserable. We are making ourselves miserable. And Jesus is like, look, 
I, I hate to break this to you, but you, you never controlled the future anyway. It's uncertain anyway, and you're just making yourself crazy. I mean, what good can you, can you add an hour to your life? Seriously. An hour to your life by worrying? No. So just let it go. Seek first my agenda, my kingdom, my way of living, my new life that I offer you. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus says, you don't conquer worry by trying to conquer worry. You conquer worry by surrendering your life to God's agenda for your life. And so I just want to challenge you this week as, you, as, you, as you're processing worries, you're processing, you know, that moment you are like, begin to find yourself fixating on something. I just ask you to pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Just say, God, look, I give you my tomorrow. I will do everything I can in the day, this day, in this moment. I will do my best. I will try my hardest. But I'm trusting you with the outcome. And then say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth and in my life as it is in heaven. And then give your tomorrows to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for these words that you spoke 2,000 years ago that continue to, to speak to us so powerfully today, that continue to challenge us today. We confess that we worry about so many things. We get fixated on so many things. God, I just, uh, I pray that you just begin to, to remove the, the weight of worry from our shoulders and that you would give us a new and a better way to live. In Jesus' name. Amen.